0: like you're really low on faith this morning. No, your tank is empty. You've got that running on fumes feeling in the pit of your soul this morning. And I'm praying this message will build you up. It will increase your faith and it will minister to you in those deep, dark crevices in your heart. You know, that place where you've hidden the pain of the situation in your life, a need the depth of which perhaps even you don't fully understand. But you see, I want you to rest assured this morning, your need is clearly visible and not forgotten. It hasn't been overlooked or ignored by the one we call Jehovah-Jireh. Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord who provides. The compound name for God here literally means the Lord who sees. Is this not what we long for when we have a need that is personal and painful? When life has left us clinging on the end of our rope, when we have sucked in that... It feels like our last breath. Is that not what we long for? Someone who sees us and is willing to provide for us in the midst of our struggle. See, just in the past week alone, I had two different conversations that for me just reinforced how difficult life can be and how common this type of need is in those around me. So I was talking with this guy who just he looked desperate as he explained his financial dilemma to me. He'd been out of work for several months and he just finished telling me, you know, I'm so far in the financial hole, I don't even know how I'm going to dig myself out of this. And you could just feel the pain in his voice and you could see it in his eyes when he looked down and he realized that the shoes on his feet that he had glued back together so he could come to work last Monday were suddenly soaking wet. Because the bottom of the water meter that we just installed in the house exploded while we were standing there. And he looked down at his feet and he looked back up at me and he looked down again and he said, you know, I saved 50 bucks and I was going to go buy a new pair of shoes. But my kid came to me and he said, Dad, I need new pants. I need new pants. He said, man, if these shoes fall apart, I don't know what I'm going to do you could feel the financial pressure flowing in his veins. And then I learned of a situation that just ripped my heart out. You see, I met a man who invited his best friend to come and live with him and his family. His best friend and his wife and his kids moved into his house. He said to me, This was my best friend. We had known each other since we were little. My house was plenty big enough for two families, so I invited him to come. And while living under his roof, his now ex-best friend had an affair with his wife. But that's not the worst of it while caring for their youngest daughter, she died. Due to what the medical examiner identified as SBS, shaken baby syndrome. And as you can well imagine, a court case came out of that. And the defense attorney, he asked for a second opinion. And when the results came back from that other crime lab, they said the cause of death was inconclusive. The defendant, his ex-best friend, went free. And this is what this young Christian man said to me. He said, I was talking when he was talking, he was just this there was this coldness, this emptiness in his voice, and he said to me, My wife and I are still together. We're working on our marriage. But trust is so hard for me right now. I struggle daily with the loss of my daughter and the overwhelming desire for revenge overwhelms me most of the time. And he said, you know, I meet people and they, they just wonder why I'm so stressed out. You know, and perhaps maybe you're feeling a little stressed out this morning. And if you find yourself on empty today, if you feel like there's just too much to overcome in your life right now, you know, maybe just in that one area, not life in total, but that one area. My prayer is that God will use this next story that I'm about to share to minister to you in a deep and a life-changing way. And you see, if your tank's full and life is good, please don't check out on me this morning. Because I pray that God will use this message to equip you to better minister to those He will bring into your life who are struggling and need someone to see them and need someone to provide for them. So let's take a look at Scripture this morning and dive into this text. We're going to start with two verses. We're going to... Just set the stage, and we'll, we'll read some more as we go along, and we'll see what God's going to do this morning. But let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Here's how the story starts. So one day a widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves." Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? The servant replied, I have nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Let's talk about these two verses for a moment. Because there's actually a lot in them. The first thing you'll notice is we don't know exactly who this poor little woman is. Not from the text. Jewish tradition says that woman is Obadiah's wife. If that's true, if we go back to First Kings chapter 18, then it's no wonder she was financially in need. Because you see, this Obadiah guy, he took a hundred of God's prophets and he hid them in two different caves, and he provided for them. During the three and a half years of drought that his mentor Elijah prophesied over the land, he hid them to protect them from the vengeance of the wicked queen Jezebel, who ordered the systematic execution of God's prophets, including Elijah. So, see if you could picture this with me. We have this widow woman we are going to guess she's somewhere in her mid to late 30s. She's lost her husband. She's got no chance of a meaningful employment. Because in this culture, women who were unemployed remained unemployed unless they were willing to take that one job that no woman ever wants to take. You know what I'm saying, right? I'm just going to leave it there. If you don't know what I'm saying, ask somebody after service. So she's in a really devastated place. She lost her husband. She has no money because her husband spent it supporting the prophets and taking care of them and their time in need. And now the creditor's coming after her two sons because the law said if you didn't pay your debt, he could enslave your children. And they wouldn't be released until the year of Jubilee. So potentially, her children are looking at up to 50 years. And humanly speaking, she has no hope whatsoever. She's lost her husband. She can't pay her bills. And now she's going to lose her sons. It doesn't get any worse than that. And see, these situations, this one we're talking about in Scripture, I like to remember these when I'm faced with what life calls the smaller problems. It's amazing how riled up we can get about things that really aren't a big deal. And yet it happens all the time. And if you don't believe me, just go home and check your Facebook feed. You know, we get riled up because our GPS on our iPhone sent us to the wrong location again, right? That's an entry-level problem. We get upset when we're at a restaurant and our salad comes and it has too much goat cheese on it. And we're like, hey, come here a minute. I told you, I don't like goat cheese. What's this? And this problem probably doesn't apply to anyone in this room, but what about when you're really, really devastated because you only got seven likes on that recent selfie you posted in Instagram? And no one said hashtag, you're so beautiful, I can hardly stand it. And you wonder, what did I do wrong? Maybe I should have used this side. Right, Or maybe I should have done that that mirror thing, right? You know, that's an entry-level problem, okay? The reality is many of us today don't just have entry-level problems. We've got some graduate problems going on in our lives. Things like your marriage is barely hanging on and you don't know where you're going, if you're going to make it. Someone that you love just betrayed you and you lied. To, they lied to you and you, you, what you thought you had, you're not sure about that anymore. You've got a child that may be going in the wrong direction and you're mature enough to know if they keep going down that road, they're going to end up in a place you don't ever want them to be. And you're agonizing because you're watching someone you love make decisions that you know in the end Will harm them. And others of you, you may have financial issues. You don't know where you're going to get the money to work your way out of that. There's so much stress, you can just feel it strangling you. Others of you have health issues. You went to the doctor or someone you love did. And if there's not a miracle from God, you don't know what's going to happen. And you may end up experiencing the very thing you wish never would. you got a graduate-level problem. And see, if you have a significant need today, I want to give you the key thought to this message this morning. That I believe God is going to drive into our spirits to build our faith this morning. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And I hope it blesses you as much as it's blessed me. Slide 9, Bruce, says, When you don't have what you really want, you will discover that God is what you really need. When you don't have what you really want, you will discover that God is what you really need. So let's unpack the story and let's get this point bring this point to life for us this morning. See this woman that we're we're looking at, she's in significant need and she expresses her need to Elijah. And what does Elijah do? Well, let me tell you what he doesn't do. He doesn't say, "Oh man, that's a bad problem, lady. <laughs> Stinks to be you." He doesn't say to her, oh, that's bad. I'll be thinking about you. Doesn't that just torque you a bit when people say that? It torques me. What does that mean, thinking about, think about you? You know, if I'm hurting, don't tell me you'll be thinking about me. Pray for me. That's what I want you to do. Pray for me. Do something significant. That's what Elisha did. He makes himself available to this widow woman. And we see here in verse 2 of 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha replied to her and he said, These five words How can I help you? When you have a need, hearing those words, that's something significant. You see, if you want to make a difference in this world, if you want to be filled with joy, start every day and say, God, I'm available as your divine representative. Anytime there's a need, even if I can't directly meet that need, I want to be a conduit through whom you can minister to people. And then when someone at the office says, I've got a problem, or i got a migraine headache, or my husband's driving me crazy, or my kid's going off the deep end, you can say, how can I help you? And you make yourself available the way that Christ would do if he were here in the flesh. Then Elijah says to her something that's very profound. See, he respects her dignity and he says to the widow, tell me, what do you have in your house? In other words, he doesn't say, I'm here with all the answers. But he respects her dignity. And he says and suggests to her, how about... We start with what you have and let God meet your needs through that. And she replies, your servant has nothing here at all. And isn't it interesting that when we're hurting, when we're lacking, all we can see is what we don't have and we miss all the blessings that we do. Have you ever noticed that? when we get down and we're depressed and we're hurting, in those moments, we tend to be consumed with what we don't have. I don't have enough money, so I can never be happy. I don't have a spouse, so I really have a meaningful, unmeaningful life right now. You know, I've even heard people say, my house isn't nice enough. So we can't host a life group because we all know that the Spirit of God cannot move unless it moves on granite kitchen countertops, hardwood floors, and plush new carpet. See, I don't have what I want, so life doesn't matter. I even know some ladies, no one personally, but maybe you know someone like this. They can walk into their closet Look all around. And then you see them leave that closet, walk down the hall into another bedroom, open that closet door, and they're going and touching all the clothes. And then they say these words. Help me out. I have nothing to wear. Right? You know, what? you stand there and you go like, I don't understand this. you got enough clothes in those closets to clothe an African village. <laughs> and still you say, I have nothing to wear. And it's funny, but it's true. It's true. When we're in need, all we focus on is what we don't have and that's exactly what this poor woman was doing in her eyes she had lost everything and all she could do was see her lack so let me ask you this question this morning what do you do when you don't have much what do you do let me suggest what you might want to try if you're taking notes, write this down. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Second Kings four two. she says this. Elijah says, What do you have in your house? The widow woman says, Your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. I don't have anything there at all. Oh, yeah. Except this one little thing. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. You know you may say, what good is a small jar of olive oil? Olive oil was actually incredibly valuable at the, in that time. See, they cooked with it? That's a good thing. They used it to help their lamps burn. They used it to moisturize their skin because they couldn't go to bath and body works in those days. It was used to help keep leather pliable. It was used to keep iron from rusting. It was used as an offering to God. And it was used to help anoint people in religious services. It was very valuable, but she didn't have a lot. She only had a little. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God Who specializes in doing a lot with a little? All through Scripture, we see this again and again. In the New Testament, Jesus taught thousands of people. And when he was done at the end of the lesson, everybody was hungry. And the disciples say, Who's going to feed these thousands of people? And everybody goes, I don't have any food. And this little boy comes up and he's excited. I don't have a lot, but I have a little. And he gives Jesus five loaves and two fish. And in the hands of the Son of God, a little bit became a lot. And you know what? They fed the thousands and they had twelve baskets left over. We serve a God who can do a lot with a little. In the Old Testament, when the whole army was afraid of the Philistines because of one man named Goliath who stood them down, guess who God used? A little shepherd boy with a little bit of faith and a little stone. And he stood before the giant and he said, Who are you to come against the armies of my living God? And everyone thinks you're too big to beat. I think you're too big to miss. And God used that little boy with a little bit of faith and a little stone to take down a giant. What sort of giants need to be taken down in your life? See, New Testament Scriptures makes it really clear. Jesus said if you just have a little bit of faith, not a lot, just a little bit of faith, the faith of a mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and you will have what you ask for. If you just have a little bit of faith. We serve a God who can do a little with a lot. And Elijah says, what do you have in your house? Notice God never said, what do you want or what do you need? He told Elijah to ask this woman, what do you have? What do you have? So let's you and I together purpose this morning. Let's stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have. Because our God has given us everything we need in Christ Jesus. He's thoroughly equipped us to do everything He wants us to do. And I don't know how this will speak to you this morning, but some of you, you're going to look at what you have and you're going to say, I wish I had something else so I could do something more significant. And God says, no, no, no. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. But I'm not good up, I'm not a good upfront person. I'm not charismatic. I'm good behind the scenes, but I'm not that good up front. Jesus said it's the behind the scenes people that are the most important. Jesus said the servant is the greatest of all. So stop wanting something else. Take what you have and do what God is asking you to do. There was... Perhaps there may be a guy here who feels like, man, I'm not a good provider. I don't have a six-figure income. I wish I did. Most of us would. And God would say to us, hey, you're home six nights a week with your children. That's important. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Gentlemen, the most important thing that you do may not be what you do. It may be who you raise and how you raise them. And when you're a man of God to your children, that is a huge success. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. second thought we're going to talk about this morning from this story is offer God what you have. Take what you have and offer it to God. What you, trust Him to give you what you need. Right? Watch this come true in 2 Kings 4, verses 3-7. through 7. Verse 3, Elijah said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Go get some empty jars, he said. Don't ask for just a few. Verse 4, Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. So what's going on here? Go get a bunch of jars and all you have is a little bit of oil. But if you'll trust God and pour out what you have, then put the jar aside God will refill your jar and give you what you need and you can keep on pouring. When she had the faith to offer what she had, God gave the widow woman what she needed. And that's exactly what happens in verse 5. Verse 5 says she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons they brought the jar to her and she kept pouring. What did she do? She kept pouring. In verse 6 says, When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7, She went and told the man of God, and he said, Here's the good news. Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. You see, when she offered what little she had, God gave her everything she needed. As long as there was an empty jar, the oil kept flowing. This miracle required ridiculous faith. Elisha asked her to empty out everything that she had and to trust God to provide for what she really needed. But you see, that's how God works. When we show Him our faith, we get to see His faithfulness. And He said, go get a bunch of jars. Go get a bunch of jars. Not one or two, a bunch. And he noticed He didn't say what color, what size, what shape. He just said, go get some jars. His only requirement is that the jars would be empty. It could have been any kind of jar. It could have been a milk jug. It could have been a peanut butter jar. It could have been a butter tub. It didn't matter. What mattered is the fact that it was empty. So how do we apply this story and this lesson to our lives? See, the widow woman here in the Old Testament, she went to God's prophet, Elijah. But you and I, we are New Testament Christians. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, but we have this treasure which is Christ in what? Jars of clay. So what is that referring to? You know what that is? That's our bodies. See, that's what we are. We're clay pots. We're dirt houses. Put a big smile on your face, turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you're a dirt bag. (laughs) Imagine that. God uses dirt houses to store His treasure. And what's Jesus looking for? He's looking for a few empty jars. When we empty ourselves of self, when we empty ourselves of pride, when we empty ourselves of greed, when we empty ourselves of our own agendas and come to Christ totally empty, then He fills us with oil, which has always been and always will be a symbol of the Holy Spirit. You see, and suddenly you will realize that when you don't have outwardly what you wanted, it is God that you truly needed. And then suddenly He is enough. He is sufficient in every single way. You see, when you're weak, He is your strength. When you're hurting, He's your comforter. When you're lost, He's your guide. When you're hungry, He's He's the bread of life that nourishes you. And when you're thirsty, He's living water. When your life is unstable, He's the rock that does not move. And when you realize, I don't have what I wanted, then suddenly you will discover He is exactly what you needed all along. And some of you came in today and you're empty. And you're lacking. And you're going to look at, to Him and this is the good news. He's going to become everything you need. And if you don't remember anything else I said this morning, I encourage you to remember these three things. The first is stop waiting for what you want and start working for what you have. The second is Offer God what you have and trust Him to give you what you need. Because, one more time, when you don't have what you really want, you'll discover that God is what you really needed all along. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you continue to speak to us today. Father, pour out your spirit in this place. Fill us, God. Build our faith this morning. We pray that You would leave here this morning knowing that we have seen You. And we have been in Your presence this morning. And as we pray today, there's those of us that are hurting and those of us that are without and those of us that are on empty and those of us that are overwhelmed this morning, God. And if that's you, I believe God with all my heart wants more than anything this morning to reveal Himself to you, to all of us in a deeper, more intimate way. See, there's some of us in this room who would say, I need prayer this morning. I've got a burden. I've got a challenge. I'm hurting. I'm running on empty." And we would say, Pastor Paul, would you pray for me this morning? And I would be honored to do that. I'm going to ask you if that's you, if you have a burden, if you have a need. If you need prayer this morning, I'm going to invite you to just stand right where you are and lift your hands to heaven. Simply say, Yes, God, you know my need. Mm -hmm. You know my need, God. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray for each person with their hand raised toward heaven. God, I pray for every person with their hearts. Pointing to heaven. We need to be filled with more of You this morning, God. God, I thank You that You know the intimate details of every person's life. You know it all, God. I thank You that You are good and that You are here. And God, I am forever grateful that when we look to You, You may not give us what we want. But God, You always provide what we need. I pray, God, that in this moment that Your Holy Spirit would fill these empty vessels that are here in this room. God, Your presence is exactly what we need this morning. May I ask You to come and be our divine comforter, our strength, the lifter of our heads. God, I pray this morning in Jesus' name that You would help us from this day forward to see You more clearly as the great, Jehovah Jireh, the God of ridiculous provision. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you this morning. Next week, church at the gazebo, bring lawn chairs, blankets, whatever you would like to see. And no kids' quests. Everyone will be outside next sunday okay. god bless so you go through your week be careful what you watch be careful what you listen to reducing the risk next sunday after service right okay have a great week you can hang around help us tear down that would be great